0: Hi and welcome to Thought Bubble. My name's Scott Millward. Here I'll be talking to thought leaders from various industries, sharing their insight into their area of expertise and creating a thought bubble around the topics that matter. Let's jump into it. Okay, hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. Uh, really excited this afternoon to have Carol Ann Reed on the show, so welcome. Carol Ann is a best-selling author, she's a mindset coach and an NLP Master Practitioner, I believe it's it's called. So <laughs> welcome and thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here.
0: So we're going to dive into a few different topics today. So we're going to go into looking at employees taking responsibility for their mental health. We're going to go into what companies can do for their employees in terms of mental health and also what CAS is doing at the moment in terms of mindset coaching, in terms of your upcoming academy as well, and also the fact you're gonna to have to have some kind of leave very soon.
1: I certainly am. <laughs>
0: but yeah, a lot to get through. So yeah, I think the best place to start really would be to go into what employees can do in the workplace in terms of taking responsibility for their own mental health. Mm,
1: so this is something that I'm sure Every listener will have either seen on the news or have had a meeting about or something about the well being in the workplace being like the priority thing at the moment, especially moving forward. The recent statistics that have been released are just mind blowing. So, in terms of what we can do, it's first actually acknowledging that it is part of our responsibility, as much as I know you said that we will go into it being the employer's and the company's responsibility. But what I find, cause I go into companies doing warrior wellbeing in the workplace workshops, lots of W's there. And what I tend to hear is sort of people either pulling us to one side or being like, so, so glad that we have finally done this. I've been off with depression. I struggled with anxiety for years and nothing's been done about it. And it's such a common thing that people will sit back and almost feel like, well, where is it? Come on. And actually, there is a lot that we can do ourselves to either prevent it or at least self-manage it. One of the things we would sort of have a little deep dive into the, the different things which we can do. I know we've spoken about this before, but how setting ourselves up in the morning. Yeah. So if we're waking up with that instant dread or anxiety or the mind is overthinking, our nervous system, our body, our energy, our mindset, everything is just almost in dread mode for the day ahead. And that affects our focus, our energy, our attention span, everything really. So I'm a big, big advocate for starting the day right, and that doesn't mean the 5am club sitting on your head incense and all of that. Long.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a <laughs> there's a bad uh, reputation for having a morning routine because people think yes. that it's 5am club. It's I've got to go to the gym and eat this. And then make sure that you post it online so everyone knows that you're doing that. Um, I, I wrote about this recently online and about sort of taking responsibility of your morning and having some some me time which is something that you encourage m- uh, me to do myself um, and I've I've seen a drastic um, improvement in myself um, cool. in terms of the days that I do actually do this so what would you say to other people who sort of have thought about a morning routine and maybe haven't sort of really understood how we would work and mm. you know they're too busy because they've got kids and they've got you know, a commute and whatever else they've got to do in the morning. Yeah.
1: I would say even if it is just 10 to 20 minutes, that's all it takes. And even if we do have the kids and it's the school run and it's not about a lot of people say, I'm going to try and find the time. But I mean, if anyone does start to find time, like, let me know. (laughs) It'd be so valuable. But it's about creating the time, carving that out. And literally 10, 10, 20 minutes, starting the day, the first thing I would say is not getting sucked into our technology. Yeah. So yes, majority of us might use our mobiles for our alarm, etc. And the temptation's there. The whole world is screaming at you for attention. And it's about really working on that resilience and that self-control of, okay, I'm going to turn my alarm off. Yeah, yeah. And then put it face down. I can see. Yeah, you're like yeah. I
0: I, I I can I can see this because I've had I've had you moaning at me about this myself. You know, but moaning
1: courage, Same thing. Yeah, it's a
0: perspective thing. But I've I've noticed that myself. That you turn on your phone to turn off your alarm, and then suddenly it's emails, WhatsApp, yeah. Tinder messages from supermodels. This is, all, this is a hard All life of in these, the th- all of these things, and that's way too much to deal with before yeah. you've even had a cup of tea.
1: Yeah, and our brains are conditioned for that. So it's a stimulant. So as soon as we wake up, we we actually naturally crave that. But we wake up and our brain waves, if we were to look at it from a neurological point of view, we wake up in alpha state, which is our when our consciousness is at its peak. This is when really if we were to set aside those 20 minutes, it's like the perfect window of opportunity to have, as you call it, that me time, that nurture time. So as simple as sitting down with a cup of tea and just being present it might be i'm a massive advocate for just having a little journal and writing out some gratitudes for the day because if we can start the day on that it sounds a bit woo, but on that higher vibration, or let's call it resilience, our mind is feeling already before we've even left the house. Okay, I've got some good stuff going on in my life. No matter what life throws you that day, we've started on that good foot. Um, Journaling. Some people love to sit down, just, I call it brain dumping, just getting whatever's in the mind down on paper. A shower, listening to some good music, listening to some fantastic podcasts,
0: well yeah, exactly. This I mean if it. if you want to listen to monotone voices in the morning, <laughs> you know you know where I am, guys. Just tune in whenever you want.
1: We've got a cool jingle.
0: <laughs> yeah, i have a cool jingle in there.
1: <laughs> and um, and there's a load. I mean, yes, again, we're back on the mobile, but YouTube, motivational videos, um it might, meditation is another one, even just five minutes. So I would definitely say how you start your day, if we're waking up Grabbing coffee, instant stimulants, running around. So,
0: so this is a point I want to touch on, actually. So since I've heavily pushed my morning routine, um, I was slowly trying to wean myself off caffeine and drinking a flask of coffee first thing in the morning and all that sort of stuff. Because I didn't really feel a difference in myself. It was just habitual. Mm. Um, I've now completely given up caffeine, apart from the rare occasion where Brilliant. I'll just grab one because I fancy one. Yeah. And my head explodes now when I have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, because I'm just not used to it. But I don't feel like I need that pick me up first thing in the morning, because I've replaced it with another sort of positive stimulation in first thing in the morning, which is I I didn't think that that would actually, you know, perk me up. um, But it massively has.
1: It's so true. And if our body is starting the day with that stimulant by 10, 11 o'clock, bam, we're back on the downhill then and then we have to pick ourselves back up. So if we can, it's that old saying, isn't it? It's almost a bit when it's that wake up and smell the coffee. The mind doesn't really know the difference, even if you were to just switch it to decaf. And that's great for anyone that struggles with anxiety as well. Is a simple, simple little change is to switch the stimulants such as caffeine to decaf and watch within a week the difference. It's just incredible. So yeah, I would definitely say a big thing would be how you start your day and then going into the workplace in that more positive, optimistic mindset. We don't have to be doing freaking cartwheels through the door, and but actually having that sense of resilience before we go in has a dramatic effect on our mindsets.
0: Okay, so now we've managed to get out of bed, mm-hmm. uh, we've managed to get into the office or wherever we work, what advice would you give to people now they're in the workplace? You know, we've got lots of meetings going on, phone calls, emails coming out of your ears. Things get stressful, things get, you know, intense. Yeah. What advice would you give to people whilst they're at work? What What can they do? How can they, you know, maybe change their mindset? What can they do in terms of habits um, to make themselves yes. sort of a little bit better
1: so one thing is um self-awareness so actually recognizing um because as we know like day to day it can get hectic and we can feel as if we've been pulled in a million different directions so it's about self-awareness and knowing yourself so rather than waiting for the lid to boil off and then having to remove yourself from the office go and take five minutes it's about that prevention. So as soon as we do start to feel ourselves either being triggered or stepping into that place of overwhelm, a couple of different things. And it, it sounds, this is the thing before we even go into it. These sound so simple. They sounds so, so simple, um, but they're incredibly effective and it is self-management. So as soon as you start to feel that, taking literally a couple of minutes out. And I know that we've spoken about this before, as simple as focusing on the breath, breathing. So we're not glued to our seats. If we are, we need to be looking at a different job, (laughs) but we need to be able to just take those two minutes out. So even if it is once every hour, whatever that is, leaving the office space, just going for a walk, grabbing a glass of water or something and taking the focus back into the body. We spend so much time externally giving our energy, focus. So bringing ourselves back in. Um, an example I always use is if you were to have a smoker in the office, they have got it spot on. So they take themselves out of the office on quite a regular basis. Um, some milk it more than others. And they'll go and stand outside.
0: Yeah, give themselves a moment.
1: They yeah. give themselves a moment and they take what, 10 to 15 long deep breaths. whilst they smoke. Remove the cigarette, you've got mindfulness. They're literally doing the exact perfect thing that I, that I would recommend. And then when you see them come back through the door, they look like a different person. Yeah, Definitely not recommending taking up smoking.
0: Yeah, it's not as no. cool as it seems.
1: <laughs> no. But if we were to look at it from that point of view of taking just two minutes to reset and... I actually think, especially now in the workplace, it's so much more understood about mental health and actually just saying, I just need two minutes out. It's just a well-being check-in, whatever that is, whatever you want to call it. Um, So taking those two minutes out, another really powerful thing is where the focus is going. So um, I've studied in CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, and in CBT, it's sort of the prominent thing is how our thoughts affect our feelings and emotions that then affect our behaviors. So if our thoughts are scattered all over the show and we're in that place of, again, overwhelm, overthinking, that's affecting the body's chemistry. It's affecting our emotions. Bam. Before we know it, our behaviors are being triggered. So a simple technique that I always tend to recommend and people can wear it in the workplace but is um the rubber band technique so i've created as you've got one as well but a, like a band which you wear on your wrist and each time you catch yourself having those overwhelming thoughts negative thoughts worry thoughts recognize it snap the band little and then replace it and replace it with something more positive replace it with something more empowering even if it is that i've got this as simple as that is, we're bringing our focus back into ourselves, not why did he just put that down on my desk? I can't believe he's done that. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's almost like splashing some water, cold water yeah. on your face, having a cold shower, that sort of stuff. It sort of re- resets it. the nervous system, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, totally does. And we're ruled by what we think. So if we're sat, even because this is the thing with the mind, no one knows what's going on. This is the thing with the side of depression and anxiety and we someone might be sat in the office. I mean, it's now one in three people have um struggled with either depression and and anxiety. Those are diagnosed. So imagine how many people that,
0: that is really shocking. Yeah. I thought you weren't you were gonna say that's just in general.
1: No, no. So imagine how many people on a day-to-day basis, just go along with it, but aren't diagnosed with it. So it's our responsibility. It's bringing it back around again. Our responsibility to keep checking in.
0: And I think it's also anxiety is more prevalent in people that have higher pressure jobs. Yes. Because they're stressful. Because, yes. you know, you've got responsibility for money, for people, for organizations and shareholders and all that sort of stuff so the more responsibility you have often the higher stress levels you have which lead to anxiety and then if you're in a position of authority or a position of power whatever you want to call it potentially it then becomes more difficult to talk about that with your colleagues Mm. um which i think is a shame yeah um and yeah just spare a moment for the ceos and mds and directors that are feeling a bit overwhelmed themselves but don't really feel like they have an outlet to discuss it. So true. Um, you know, people turn to, to drinking, smoking, and whatever else you can think of to do out, outside of work to try and sort of break these things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it would be interesting if we could get some uh, directors of businesses to yes. sort of talk more openly about this um, and actually show it as a sort of a leadership trait um, because openness and honesty is, is disarming powerful leadership trait isn't it
1: yeah absolutely and it is that leading by example isn't it and not just putting on a mask and but that's such a good point really really powerful point
0: yeah i think it's just so this is something that i've come to terms with recently myself in terms of so before i started i actually work with um with kaz on a personal basis um, in terms of kaz's uh, life coaching and um, it's had a transformative effect for me but the first step before actually doing that was talking about anxiety openly myself um which i personally thought was actually dealing with it and i was improving things all i was doing was talking about it um which is in isolation doesn't massively improve things Mm. just gives you a better level of awareness Um, but the next stage was to take action and actually create techniques and habits which would uh, improve um, my own uh, feelings of anxiety so anyone listening I would I would urge you to one recognize if you do feel like you have any of these sort of depression or anxiety thoughts or these high levels of stress and then to be open to receiving help either from friends, family, someone like Kaz, doctor, who, whoever you feel comfortable discussing this stuff with. You don't have to start blogging like I did about it, but I, I would say to sort of understand that maybe there's something at play here.
1: Yeah, and the strength in recognising it, and then there's power in actually taking the action, isn't there, and stepping out. And it almost opens up the door for other people. I mean, you being so open about yours... God, the effect that that's had for other people to do the same, because it's vulnerable. It's quite scary to do, but it really empowers other people to go, oh, wow, I don't have to keep my mask on all Yeah, the time. and
0: I found that quite... Um quite overwhelming personally in terms of the positive reaction to talking about it you speak to people of a certain age unfortunately there's still sort of the stigma of if you talk about mental health or personal mental health it's a sign of weakness which I actually completely disagree with that because I actually think if you own your shortcomings and your failures or your mental health or whatever it is you own it and you're out front with it people can't then hold it against you because you've already come out and said, look, it doesn't have that effect on me anymore.
1: And it loosens the grip on you as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I
1: think one thing I've struggled with anxiety in the past, and I think as a human being, we all situational have different events happen in our life that can trigger, whether it is the workplace, family life, home life, anything like that. But I'm a big believer in having a toolkit because there is no one size fits all when it comes to mental health and well-being. And just having as many different tools, techniques, support networks around you. So when stuff hits the fan, you're like, okay, yeah, I can feel this. It's honoring it. It's not about brushing it under the carpet and being macho and then going, okay, what do I need? Like, and then if you've got that heightened self-awareness you go to the thing that that you think may help and try and keep trying and keep trying again
0: yeah absolutely I, I couldn't agree more I, I would also say that once you actually talk about the topic of mental health personally mm. um, it massively takes the stigma and the hold and the control of it has over yourself away so when people are going oh you're so brave you know personally I didn't feel that brave doing it because I'd already by actually coming out with this stuff I I didn't feel like it had a control over me anymore yes. so the people that are saying oh you're so brave it's because they hadn't made that leap themselves yes, so true. so they're sort of all you know you've loosened the grip on this thing so yeah i think what w- when once you actually do that it's a really um, empowering thing
1: so true one thing i find in again, going into the workplace, into corporates, is some people shy away from coming forward because they worry that it's going to affect future promotions, that it's going to affect even though it doesn't, but they still have this old school way of thinking, but God, if I come out and ask for help and then say, I don't know, an opportunity comes up, am I going to be the go-to person or are they going to see this as a weakness? Are they going to see this as, and what I've actually found, whether it's HR, the, the business owners, the company owners is actually, they see that as a sign of strength. So if there is anyone listening that's like, oh, well, there's something coming up, so I'm going to keep it to myself and keep showing up. The, the companies that are really paving the way with this and come from that good place, they don't see it as a sign of weakness
0: no and i think any employer worth their weight would want you to come forward and also to acknowledge that they are there to help you and support you to do your best work they don't want you in a poor situation because that's going to affect what you can do for them and also um you would infer that most bosses aren't the the worst people in the world and hr isn't this horrible scary function yeah um They want their employees to feel happy and healthy and good at work so that they can contribute what they're trying to do in the first place. So, yeah, please don't be worried about coming forward or something like that. And if your organisation doesn't accept that coming forward, I think you probably do need to consider whether you're doing the right job for you or whether you're working in the right company because your mental health is the most important thing.
1: 100%. It's the foundation to... Well, you go home with you and you go to work with you. It's with the same person. I think we get so wrapped up in this name badge, don't we? Where it's as soon as we, I mean, some of my family work for the NHS, and they, as soon as their uniform goes on, bam, they're like transformed into this being that has to be completely resilient to whatever the day throws at them. And yeah, but we we are, we're the same human being. So um, yeah, super, super important for that self-awareness and being able to speak openly about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, yesterday, for example, I was in the office and I just had a really anxious day. I don't know why, I just felt it. And it came across that I was being grumpy and that what's wrong with Scott and why is he not chatty today and whatever. I was just in that sort of space. So. Put my headphones in and went, sat in the corner, went and moved around and sort of kept myself to myself because I knew that I wasn't good company. I recognized that That's and good. was just aware that, you know, I don't want to be around people and sort of then be like, oh, how are you feeling? Because I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. I just wanted to get on with my work and do it and just sort of get through how I was feeling, not get through my work day, but get, get through how I was feeling.
1: Yes, yeah, so you honoured how you were feeling. Yeah. You didn't put this switch on and be like, I'm going to show up anyway, which drains you of energy. Yeah. And you honoured that and took some time out. That's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the... One of the big reasons I think it's important to actually come forward and discuss it, so that when you get that situation, you actually feel like that, or you're visibly acting in a different way to how you normally are, yes. people can understand it. They're not like, oh, Scott or Kaz is off with me today. What's going on? Yeah. Why don't they want to chat about the football scores or about the weather or what they're having for lunch? It's because they're not feeling it. Yeah. You know, uh, and we're all human, and I think we all have those days. So. Um, yeah okay I think we've we've gone through a lot of what employees can do for themselves in the workplace to give themselves a chance at reducing anxiety and improving uh, mental health in general um, what do you think that businesses can do for their employees in terms of programs or initiatives or uh, creating a positive environment and um, what what can businesses do to mm. support mental health in the workplace?
1: Um, I'd say the first thing would be is to recognize that there is no one size fits all and everyone's individual because some companies I mean just doing anything is fantastic first things first because there's still a lot out there that haven't got any structures in place they don't really have any means of support they've got HR so they're quite like you go to HR if if there is a problem but the more that that they can make it open and a structure that suits individuals, the better. So I definitely, definitely recommend highlighting a couple of people. Some people put themselves forward for it, but bringing mental health first aiders into the workplace. So there's two day courses out there where they can enroll in it. And in the same way as they have first aiders in the workplace, like don't get me wrong, we need them. Well, how often do we get the paper cuts, the trips, the but it's there. We have the green boxes on the wall, and it's Ill- like illegal to not have first aiders. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's, it's criminal that mental health is not perceived in a similar light. Yeah, in terms of seriousness. I saw a stat the other day that I think it was, yeah, mental health, depression, anxiety are the biggest killers in men. I think it was under 40. Which, you know, there's some pretty bad stuff out there. You know, cancer, heart attacks. Yeah. You know, all this awful stuff. And suicide, mental health is the biggest killer of men under 40. Yeah. And we don't talk about it.
1: No. And it's, again, it's so prevalent in the workplace. So I I see having the mental health first aid is, don't get me wrong, they're they're not train coaches, they're not counselors, anything like that. But they're the signposters. They're the people that have been trained for active listening, which is a really, really, really key part. We have so many people go, listen. Here's what I would do, or have you ever tried this? And then they come out with what they have done before, or what they recommend. Or some people would be like, come on, man up. That's that. That's yeah. Should just never ever be said.
0: Yeah, I feel like I feel like that t- sort of terminology needs yeah.
1: to. Yeah. Uh... But you do because they, some people like they just wouldn't know any different. But if you can pinpoint to some mental health first aiders, i definitely, definitely recommend that pretty much all companies should have those in place. The same as we do first aiders. Another thing would be whether it's what I know some companies now one day a week or one day a month have, um, whether it's like a side office or just a safe space where they bring a professional in and they open it up and say, okay, if you want to go and have a chat with whoever it is that's in, go and take those 20 minutes out. And it doesn't just have to be about the workplace. What we tend to find is those that are struggling, let's say in sales, those that are struggling with fitting in with their team, anyone that's sort of standing out a little bit or or underperforming it tends to be a personal issue that is underlying it they may say well i'm not getting this support or this deadline is ri-. almost guarantee that there will be something underneath it that's kind of brought that up to the surface so companies it would be fantastic to have someone there that they can go to and another thing is workshops so like i said yeah. i do the warrior well being in the workplace workshop <laughs> and that is about NLP techniques, CBT techniques, mindfulness. Again, I'm all about providing as many tools as possible, so individuals can think that suits me. That wouldn't work for me. I'm up for trying that, and they can kind of
0: yeah, pick and choose. Pick,
1: yeah, pick and choose bits. So yes, they may think that this is the the one thing. Oh, budgets and. We've not got this or we'll have to look at that next year because it's... But if you
0: you think about budgets and and all these sort of things, um, so at MBA, we work with clients in order to improve their retention of staff and reduce attrition and uh, increase productivity and bring in the best talent to their businesses. Productivity in the workplace is massively dependent on how you feel. 100% that is from you as an individual and from the business and the environment that you're in. So it needs to be sort of a harmonious relationship between all parties for yeah. productivity to actually occur. Um, you can't just get a big stick and hit people with it. No, it,
1: that, that's like the old school way, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but the, the concept of you need to dial that phone more and work harder when results aren't getting better, you should probably work smarter and evaluate what's oh, going on. Absolutely. Um, And I think that things like the workshops, things like getting uh, mental health first aiders in the workplace can actually create an environment where people feel safe to go to work.
1: Yeah, and they feel heard and appreciated. And I think... If I remember right, there was one, there was a company I was speaking to not so long ago, and we worked out that over the space of a year, it would work out at about £17 per person if they were to have a particular workshop with an ongoing support, with this and with that. So it's that speculate to accumulate, only it isn't just a financial investment, it's an energetic investment, it's a time investment. But wow, do the results come back in. There was a stat, I do think it was a 2017 one, so there'll no doubt be a a more recent updated one, and it was companies just within the UK would save around £50 billion if better mental health um, support was available in the workplace 50 billion like that is a lot and if we were to break it down and like you said with abs- uh, with people being off poorly and a lot of people who do go off sick aren't always open about it being anxiety and depression
0: yeah it could it, absolutely it could be you hurt your back but uh, so I work with um, a lot of our clients on their employee brand and on reducing attrition and. How can we communicate roles better and all these sort of things? And one of the things that we noticed was for a a call center role that in the first four weeks, things are fine. And then after four weeks, they get an assessment of their calls. And generally it's quite negative because it's Mm -hmm. normally quite rubbish because it's their one, you know, it's the first week or two weeks on the phone and they saw development of people going on sick after doing this review. And it's like, well a couple of points here maybe we should set people up and say look your first review is gonna be rubbish because you're probably rubbish just accept it and it's fine or maybe we you you sort of deliver that feedback in a slightly better way but the fact that that's mental health and people's anxiety and stress about i don't want to go into work because i'm just going to get you know all this negative feedback fear-based fear-based yeah What what people want is to feel supported if they feel supported and trusted they'll they'll work better Um, absolutely that doesn't mean giving people an easy ride by the way but it does mean understanding that that can negatively impact the morale the understanding the productivity of your staff, and it'll just become a a mad cycle of well people just aren't good enough it's like no you don't understand people
1: yeah yes and again, it's every individual. Some people really thrive under pressure and we sort of call it like have an away goal. So that fear, if you don't hit this stat by this time, then you're going to be out. So that's the away goal and that's the fear-based drivers. Some people are naturally like that. Some people are more target-driven. Reach this, you will achieve this. And some companies will just have one or the other. They'll dangle some carrots or they'll put off a a fire underneath them, but it's about working out the individual again. It it, it all comes down to seeing each and every person as an individual. Sounds time consuming, but imagine the turnover rate. It just completely drops. It really, really does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that every company listening will want to reduce their attrition figures for people coming in and out of the business because... It's it's your business's memory leaving the company. So if you've got a 30% attrition rate, which is quite typical uh, of a lot of big businesses, that's you losing a third of your business memory every year. So the knowledge in your business, you lose a third of that knowledge every year.
1: And the performance and the outcome tends to stay quite flat. S- flat. Whereas if you were to have people develop, grow, grow with the business, grow with the ethics and come together in that community... Skyrockets.
0: Absolutely. And I think the companies that are doing well anyway. And they go, oh, you know, we're going well anyway, but we just need to sort of fix this. And it's like you would be doing so much better yeah. if you were if you fix the people element. And that's one of the really positive things that I get to do at MBA is to support our clients with the people side of things and try and make them a, sound a better business and make them reflect on what they should and shouldn't be doing because they think that oh, we just need to make it look good and you know make it more attractive. I'm like, no, you've actually got to fix the issues. I'm o- I'm only going to document here i'm not going to create some new newfound perception of something because that's not going to help you because people will come into your business they'll be sold one thing and they'll leave three six nine twelve months later because they went oh the reality didn't match up but if you can sell the reality even if it's not perfect and say look we know we're not perfect but we're doing x y and z to to actually fix that honesty is massively disarming
1: 100 percent
0: and people will trust people that start off with, we're not great at the moment, but we're doing this. Stick with us. Yeah. You'll go, oh, okay, I respect that.
1: It's the human element again, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we, we, so we've so we gone into what employees, businesses can do in terms of mental health. I personally know Kaz uh, because of our one-to-one sessions and helping me with my mental health. Um, it's been... Uh, transformative for me personally Kaz has spoken to me privately about about her book uh, warrior Wellbeing.
1: yeah warrior Wellbeing being talking
0: um, and also about your warrior academy yes. I think people will be quite interested to hear about your book about your coaching and about um, the academy and sort of what what your passion projects are at the moment
1: oh yeah so the book it actually came around only earlier this year I had this idea of like was I was I'm gonna write a book you know how we do and I started to really put everything down on paper all the different tools that I've used personally in the past but also with clients in the workplace etc and I mean I don't mind being totally open and honest the real driving force behind it was um we lost my stepdad to suicide and he was NHS and there was just no support there I was like so
0: he, he worked in the NHS yeah I
1: worked in the NHS oh wow and no one saw it coming. And this was what, this was a good five, God, six years ago now. And that was a big turning point for me where I was like, I actually had a complete career shift. I was like, something has to change here. So I always knew I was going to do a book, trained in everything that I could, got as much experience under my belt. And I was like, right, I want it to be like the warrior element represents that your past doesn't define who you are, it is a part of who you are, but it's your strength if you choose it to be. And the toolkit is, as we've sort of spoke about quite a lot, is about having as many different go-to elements and tools and techniques. And then it occurred to me, I was like, okay, I've trained and I've got all these different ideas, but how cool would it be to get different experts, coaches, psychologists, teachers, sports experts, and get them to share a bit about their story their background with their own mental health. I call it being in the trenches. Like we've all been in the trenches and how they came through it and a really powerful technique that they use. So I share the CBT one, we've got other people that have shared things like EFT, sound healing we've got, quite like out there kind of things, all the way through to mindfulness, very typical uh, resilience techniques. So that's how the book came about and we launched that for World Mental Health Day. And then all the money goes to um, the Mental Health Foundation charity.
0: That's amazing.
1: So that was really cool. And we got to the top 70 on Amazon.
0: That is crazy. Yes, we were in the
1: top 100. I was so excited. So
0: can you tell me about numbers sold or money given to charities or anything like that? Yes.
1: So when we first launched it, I think we sold on the first day. I think it was... was seven or 800 copies.
0: That's crazy. So that
1: was really, really good. Seven or 800 and we're in the thousands now with the goal being we get it into, because it's on paperback and Kindle, get it into Waterstones. I actually went in there and had a picture with it <laughs> just for like the vision board kind of thing. Um, so that's still out there and that's doing really well.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's amazing as well To that you've attributed that as a goal that you wanted to do something like that. And you attached that you wanted the money from the book to go to the mental health charity. And also now you're talking about visualisation. You want to get the book into uh, Waterstones and help more people with it.
1: Um, And volume two is coming as well.
0: Volume two is coming. Volume
1: two is happening in 2020. (laughs) Okay,
0: well, if you contact Carol Ann or you go on to Amazon if you exchange some money, she won't be more than happy to send you a book.
1: Yes, there we go. So signed one. <laughs> a Signed one
0: even. Um, so yeah, we're very excited for volume two.
1: Yes. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. And I think, again, when you've been in that place, it's, It's a real sort of driving force behind it. So it's been really successful. Um, The Warrior Academy, one thing I found with being a coach or mentor or whatever it is you want to call it is some people really thrive on that one-to-one basis. Um, It takes knowing your worth to take those steps. This is something that I've really found is people either just have this sudden light bulb moment. They might've thought about it for a year, Five years and all of a sudden it's like right enough is enough and then it's also being able to put the time in financially investing as well in yourself I mean how many people go and get their hair done nails done we go and get the cars but it's kind of that thing about can I invest in myself it's sort of that more taboo thing isn't it so I work on a one-to-one basis but then also wanted to create a membership where people can commit and they're within a group so they're within like a community so they get the want like the the coaching support but it's a community it's like a network basically and that's been really successful as well over sort of the past we launched that in September or October through the teachable platform so people can log in log out they can sort of do it at their own pace and we've got people from different countries doing it as well no, it's, so that's it's, it's cool. amazing
0: so uh, th- I'm sure that is a it's more cost effective. Um, solution if you want to go via the um, academy
1: it's like the first stepping yeah if if
0: that if that is an easier commitment for you than doing one-to-one coaching with someone like Kaz or even going to a doctor or anything like that just to sort of explore where you fit really yeah it's that lack of understanding how you actually feel seeing a community of other people share what's going on with them gives you a better understanding of where you're at and an understanding of what support you need. Because I don't know about anyone else, but personally, I knew things weren't right and I needed some support.
1: You were action.
0: Yeah. And I went went to action and I was looking, looking for it, but you don't have to go straight into it. Yeah. You could sort of take that baby step.
1: Absolutely. So that's, yeah, that's been really, really cool to do to be able to sort of support on a, a wider level and yeah and then there's the the workshops in the workplace so i've actually got a team of people now that go into the into the workplace as well and deliver the workshops and and all
0: that no it's is amazing i think that the positive thing that i hear from yourself and uh from other people is in terms of mental health is that I like to hear people are trying to build businesses around supporting people with mental health yes. because it's a support service that hasn't been hasn't been really there for people the NHS is massively underfunded as everyone knows and I think the GPs aren't really well equipped to support you with it because they're a general practitioner they and have they
1: prescribe
0: they prescribe That's their duty yeah that they, they have five ten minutes with yeah. you for them to fully understand you, your problems, how you're feeling, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know much about medicine, but I know that some tablet wouldn't really understand my my problems and how I feel.
1: Yeah. If you and I were to take I mean, I'm and I actually say this in the book. I'm all for prescription if that's the right thing for for, for the individual. But it would be if you and I were to go to the doctors and we have similar traits and symptoms of anxiety or depression. We could also have incredibly separate ones where you might struggle with sleep. I might struggle with, um, feeling hyper. You might struggle with eating. I might struggle with overeating and, but we would still get given possibly this as the same if not a similar prescription and then I, I get a lot of people come out of the doctors and say oh i didn't feel listened to or i just got given a prescription but that's their job yeah that's... that is their duty it's our duty to go and look at what else suits us we can still do that it's a it is a good thing to do it's the leveling out of our brain's chemistry but then it's okay what else can we do
0: i would also say that if you go right well if i take some tablets that's solving the problem and I don't need to deal with it because the I've already taken the step to get some prescription and it moves the accountability onto, well, I'm going to blame the doctor if it doesn't work. Yes.
1: Victim mindset. And it sounds, yeah. I really, really don't like those words because it yeah, sounds yeah. so negative. But if we are in that victim mindset of, well, I've been on it for this long and they've not changed this, i have not changed that. What have you done for yourself? And it's a tough thing to do. It really is a tough thing to do. And that's why I'm all about the warrior thing, because it's enough is enough. Step into my power. Let's let's go. What else can I do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the point is, yeah, stepping into your power warrior instead of warrior. And you you have to take accountability for yourself at that point, which is an amazing thing. I mean, I've personally recommended my sister to now work with um, with Kaz and she and she's already made great progress since sort of having that emotional support and understanding. And to be honest, I feel like when when I go and see Kaz personally, it's um, it's an education um, in terms of mental health um, as it is because it's the more you understand, the less you're nervous, scared, and worried about yes. these things. Um, the level, having that level of understanding takes away sort of this a lot of the stigma around these things. So you're like, okay, this is. I'm personally a very logical person as I'm sure a lot of um listeners will be um if I can logically understand something I can emotionally accept it Mm. and I think that's a big step um to have that so yeah that that sort of support and understanding is um is crucial and and I know that a lot of people listening won't feel comfortable to discuss that with say their partners or family or friends so having an outside sort of resource which is um non-judgmental and what have you is is a really positive thing
1: yeah absolutely and it tends to be the pebble in the pond effect once other people see how you're doing and even if it is i just call it like you feel lighter and you look lighter and then people are like oh so you're doing this yourself or you've done that and then it empowers them to take the responsibility and seek what works for them
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when you can attach those thoughts and feelings through to personal goals. So when you can attach those to personal goals, you can actually link your newfound positive behavior to newfound positive outcomes. So I've actually had massively positive things happen in in my life that I wrote down on a piece of paper um, months ago. Can we just
1: say, yeah, it was literally like six to eight weeks ago and so many of them have come to life. which,
0: Which is just... Crazy, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll make more sense of things and feel a bit better in myself. But I didn't think any, you know, positive life outcome milestones things would happen. But it's unbelievable what comes into your life when you open yourself up to a more positive mindset and a more understanding mindset that so much more is available to you.
1: Yeah, well, you've had it when you have when the mind changes, you have an energetic shift when we have an energetic shift that's when like life changing yeah
0: it's game changing and just respecting that you're investing in yourself um is such a positive thing because well Warren Buffett said it himself that the the greatest investment you can make is in yourself so from the greatest investor ever saying invest in yourself please do it um is an education of sorts I think okay I think we've um, solved a lot of issues here today yes Um, so we've gone into um, what employees can do in the workplace what businesses can do in the workplace for their employees what CAS is up to at the moment all these um, different projects um, that are supporting so many individuals and also uh, giving a bit of understanding as to the impact it can have on individuals um, in terms of their own mental health. So I would implore anyone listening, if they want to talk to myself or to Kaz um, about anything that we've discussed today, please feel free. Drop us a message on LinkedIn um, or get in contact, and we'll give us give you our contact details. It's not a problem. But do get in touch if any of the topics sort of really resonated with you, um, and we'd be more than happy to uh, to support where we can. So thank you for coming
1: show you kind of show. thank you so much for okay. having